right, what's up, church family? If you guys are thankful to be here in God's house, let's give God a hand this morning. Come on. Good to see you. Amen. All right, all right. Hey, uh, you know, I was thinking when we were singing that last song, uh, there's an anointing on that song. And if you don't know what I'm saying when I'm, when I'm saying that, just basically what I mean by anointing is sometimes just the presence of God likes to hang out around some things more than other things. And it's not that the presence of God is not hanging out around all things. It's just you can tell when he is into something. And, uh, and I think that song, the reason why not only we like it so much, the reason why we're liking it so much is because it, I think it goes right at what God wants to communicate to us. I think it goes right at how passionately the Father heart of God wants to tell us, look, you need to know my love is aggressively pursuing you. And, uh, and so I just want to share that because I, I don't know that if every person in here, if you're convinced of, of that, I know that there are times in my life, even as a pastor, where I can struggle with how can God continue to love me and accept me and pursue me the way that he does. And I just want to speak to that in your life. He does. And, it, and it's aggressive. And there really is nothing there is nothing on heaven, in heaven or on earth. There is nothing good or bad or anything else that could ever separate you from the love of God. He loves you unconditionally. Uh, speaking of love, it, uh, kind, of a, kind of a big week. Big week. Valentine's Day happened this last week. Hopefully none of you men messed that up. Uh, if you did, sorry, you can't make up for it now. It's over. But I, I'm really actually very thankful for my wife, Cody, okay, because she, she's pretty awesome when it comes to this kind of stuff. Like, we, you know, we've been married 15 years, and so uh, we've done a lot of different things for Valentine's Day. It seems like for us, though, every time we've tried to plan something, for a while there, we would just take turns. Like, one Valentine's Day was her turn, and then the next Valentine's, it was my turn to do something, right? But it seems like every time we try to plan something, it wound up just being like this weird Dynamic, like more like an adventure instead of a date or anything like that, because we'd wind up going to these places where it's like, this is weird. This is kind of just awkward and shady. And so I, I think just we kind of have gotten to a place where it's like, do we really need one day out of the year to make a big deal about how we love each other? So just so you know, Valentine's Day is every day in the Bennett household. You know what I'm talking about? And so, but for Valentine's Day, so for Valentine's Day, but there's always that pressure, right? There's that pressure. Wives, men feel pressure. We feel a lot of pressure around this because we're like, man, if I don't do this right, it's like, there's just, there's no telling what's gonna happen. And, and, and some of you ladies, you won't tell him if he messes it up, but you will keep track of it. <laughs> you will remember and so Valentine's Day, we had a, a, a gift certificate for a restaurant, but it was down in Little Rock. And so we're like, hey, we'll just go and have, have kind of a day day. Um, Monday's my day off. And so we went on Monday to celebrate Valentine's Day. And, and, uh, and so we, we get down there to find out, and we get down around noon, and we, to find out that the restaurant doesn't open until 3 o'clock. So the date's already going really well. And, uh, and so, 
So we're just kind of sitting there like, what do we do? And I'm, you know, my mind is just like going a thousand miles an hour, like, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, this is bad. And, and then, but Cody gave this suggestion. She's like, why don't we go to the store and get some snacks and some drinks, and then we'll go sit somewhere and watch a movie while we're waiting for the restaurant to open. I'm like, this is a trick. Like she is, she is trying to trap me because this is not gonna be enough. This is not, but sure enough, man, we went to the store, we got some chips and salsa, went and sat in my car in the parking lot of the restaurant and watched Netflix uh, until the restaurant opened. And it was an amazing Valentine's Day. I still don't know if it was a trick or not, but I'm just telling you, it was cool for us. There are some things though that are much more serious that we need to be aware of in our lives that are there. We've been talking about some things that we need to edit out of our lives. There are some personal opinions I have about some things that need to be edited out of culture. Some things that I believe that need to be added out of culture. Now, these are just personal opinions, and so if you don't agree, please don't yell at me or scream at me or send me mean emails. But one of the things I think needs to be edited out of culture is the McRib. Okay, because this, this is not... I didn't miss you. So I, I, this, 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 is not, this is not real meat. This is not, this is, but people are into this thing, but I think it just needs to go away. Another thing that I think that needs to be edited out of culture is $7 unicorn frappuccino drinks. $7. Honestly, pretty much all things unicorn need to be edited out of culture. I mean, it's just me, but it's just getting out of, I know some of you are like, no. But it's just gotten a little bit out of hand. I also think uh, rompers for men definitely need to be edited out of culture. That is not appropriate on any level. Um, some of your mustaches need to be edited out of culture because <laughs> I'm, so I'm sorry, but my dad set a standard with mustaches um, that, that he took suit from Tom Selleck. And so it's like, if you, don't, if you can't grow a mustache like Tom Selleck, it's like, you just don't grow one. And so I tried, I didn't have it, I don't have a mustache. Um, and that needs to be edited out of some of your lives too because that scraggly 80s, never mind. I'm just gonna move on from there. But, but, but something that is serious that we need to be edited out of our lives is doubt. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. How do you edit out doubt? Doubt is defined as a feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction in spite of reality. Believe it or not, no pun intended, but, the, but doubt is one of the things that the enemy will use the most to keep us defeated and distracted and away from the presence of God. So we're gonna get in the word today and we're gonna park in Luke 24. So if you have your Bibles, Bible apps, we'll have the verses on the screens, but go to Luke 24. We're gonna stay in this chapter the whole time. Uh, so th let me set this up. This is, this is right after Jesus was crucified, um, buried. He had defeated sin and death in the grave, and he had rose from the grave, but nobody knew that yet as far as nobody had seen him yet. And, but all the disciples are kind of dispersed here and there, most of them hiding in fear, but all of them struggling in dealing with discouragement and depression 
and doubt because to them, Jesus was gone. Jesus was dead. And even though Jesus had told them many times what was going to happen and that he wasn't going to stay dead, they were still in a place of discouragement and doubt. In Luke 24, verse 1, it says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. Okay, so this is an indication of just how low their faith is at this point, because this is something that you would do traditionally to go take care of a loved one's dead body. You would bring spices from time to time for the body so that it didn't smell, and it was a ceremonial thing that they would do for a certain amount of time. And so these ladies... A bunch of these ladies, they get the stuff together to go to treat the body of Jesus. Even though Jesus had told them that he wasn't going to stay dead. And so these ladies go to do this. And here's the thing. The disciples weren't anywhere around. Like his squad, his guys, his boys, they were hiding. They weren't even anywhere near the tomb. And so... Everyone is in this place of fear and doubt. But when the, when the women showed up at the tomb, not only did they not find Jesus' body, but they met two angels. And these two angels reiterated everything that Jesus had told them. Like, okay, again, Jesus is not dead. He is risen. This was told to you. This is, this is what happened. And it says... In verse 8, and they remembered his words. Yay! Like, like, finally, they remembered his words. But this goes to my first point of what doubt can do in our lives. Doubt makes us forget. Doubt makes us forget. How many times have we forgotten God's words? How many times have we forgotten all the good that he has done and how faithful he is It happens for me a lot. I fight this. I fight this. There's times when when we're in a financial situation. We might be struggling there. And I forget what it says in in Matthew chapter 6 when it's talking about he he takes care of the birds of the air. (laughs) You know, he knows the number of, of hairs on my head. My God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He can surely take care of this little thing, but I forget. And a lot of times it's because of doubt. Or those times when I'm just not sure what to do in a situation. I'm lost. I'm kind of confused. I forget verses like in Psalm 119 that his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And if I'll go to it. He'll remind me and he'll give me direction and he'll show me in that place. Well, those times when I'm anxious. This last week I had some anxiousness, just to be real. We, one of our kids, is, it was, he was struggling in school. Um, and, and just relationally, it's the biggest thing. How many of y'all know, man, when your kids are struggling, it is tough. It is difficult to just act like everything's okay. Well, I started to just get anxious and doubting. And in that place, I forgot that the word says that I don't have to be anxious for anything. 
But in all things in prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, I can present my request to God. And then his peace, and that's what I needed. But I had forgotten his word because I let doubt creep in. But if I had remembered, then I would have remembered that his peace that transcends my understanding because he knows my child. He knows what he needs. He's fearfully and wonderfully made. And I don't need to worry about it because God's got a plan. God's got him in his hand. But I let doubt creep in and I forget God's word. Sometimes when temptation comes, because we're all tempted, we can forget. His word says in 1 Corinthians, there's no temptation that has seized me except which is common to man. And God is faithful. And he will not allow anyone to be tempted beyond what he can bear. But when he is tempted, God will provide a way out so you can stand up under it. And we could keep listing these over and over and over and over and over again. And everything that we have ever struggled with, God has spoken to it. God has given a word for it. But when we are in doubt, we forget. We forget God's word. In verse 10, it says, Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanne and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them like an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Can you imagine the depth of doubt that they were in? They had chosen not to believe what Jesus himself had said to them, and now they have a personal account. They have eyewitnesses to this thing, and they still won't believe. And these are great people of faith. And in fact, these, these people probably have more faith than anybody because they had seen Jesus and seeing his ministry. But doubt caused them to forget. And doubt can get the best of any of us. What word from the Lord have you forgotten because of doubt? Also, doubt blinds me. Doubt blinds me. Verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. About seven miles from Jerusalem, they were talking with each other about all these things. Okay, but they're talking about all these things like just depressed. Kind of like just whining. Like Jesus is dead. We're, you don't have a leader. Now the Sanhedrin's after us. The Romans hate us. And, and they're just going to hunt us down and they're going to kill us. So they're talking about every, all this stuff. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. What kept their eyes from seeing him? Their doubt. They couldn't recognize Jesus. And this is the man that had been with them through so much. They had seen him do miracles. They had, he had taught them. And this is what doubt can do. No, mo, no matter how clearly Jesus is trying to show himself to you, no, how, no, no matter how clearly he's right in front of you, when you're in a place of doubt, you won't see him. Now, I've experienced this before, even in worship. I've experienced this before in worship, and where I've, I've come in to worship God, and I'm like, well, God must have taken the day off because he is not here to meet with me. Like, I don't know where you are at, God, but... I mean, music's good and all that, but I just don't see you. Well, is it possible that it's, it's not 
the all-knowing, sovereign creator of the universe, the God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever, is there a chance it's not him, it might be me? It may just be me. It may be that there's something in my life, there might be some fear or some doubts or some confusion that are distracting me and keeping me from seeing him because God is always wanting to be seen. God is always wanting us to see him. And so if we're not, it's probably not him, it's probably us. It's probably doubt. There's something that's in our lives that we're missing. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. And I believe that there are so many things that God wants to show us. And there's so many ways that God demonstrates himself to us on a daily basis, but we don't see it. And I believe that God shows himself in big and small ways. I find that kids have a much easier time with seeing God in things than we do as adults. It's kind of funny. Even yesterday, I was, I was preparing my sermon and stuff, and, uh, and Cody sent me this text. She's like, hey, Grayson, ask me for some pancakes. And I said, babe, and, and, the, and when, when we say pancakes, we're raising four kids. We're not talking about pancakes from scratch, people. We're talking about freezer pancakes, like the ones you pop in the toaster, okay? So, so behave yourselves. But she asked, are there any pancakes? Mom says, no, I don't think there are any more of these pancakes. So Grayson like runs to the freezer, opens the freezer, starts looking through the freezer, and she finds the bag of pancakes. And she takes them out, and she exclaims with all of her might, the glory of God is here. <laughs> Amen, sister. Well, put that picture back up. You put it up early, but put it up. Put it back up. I like how her hand is kind of guarding and protecting the pancake. Because <laughs> she knows mama likes to steal bites off of everything we make. But I love how she was able to see it. See, I believe that there are times in your life that doubt has kept you from seeing what a friend of mine calls God's sightings. Like when the sun rises in the morning, but can you see God in that? When it sets in the evening, can you see God in that? When you get home from work and you go in your house and your kids are yelling and screaming, playing together, can you see God in that? When you're driving down the road and your favorite song comes on and it just is in your heart, it's in your spirit and you, and you start singing it as loud as you can, even though you can't sing a lick, can you see God in it? Because the word says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. But doubt will keep you from seeing. Doubt drowns out God's voice. Doubt drowns out God's voice. Verse 17, he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. <laughs> okay, so not only, not only can they not hear or see, but they, they don't recognize Jesus speaks 
This is a voice that they had heard over and over and over and over again. And when he speaks, they go, just sad. Because doubt had kept them from remembering what his voice sounds like. I've been pastored by Pastor Rick for, I guess, going on 13, 14 years now. Uh, I've heard him a lot more than you guys have, but even you, like, we've heard him enough here, and he's pastored us enough here, like, there, we recognize his voice, right? Hell is hot, he's hot. Devil be so busy sometimes. Reminds me of a Boudreaux joke. I'm, I'm just joking. I'm not going there. But we remember, we recognize his voice. How could his disciples have forgotten Jesus' voice? Because of doubt. When you are in the depths of doubt, it doesn't matter how many times God has spoken to you, you will forget what his voice sounds like. Part of the great risk of this is not just that your doubt has put you in a place where it has drowned out the voice of God in your life and you can't hear his voice. Then the question is, what are the new voices you're listening to? Because for some reason, you're in that place of doubt and now that doubt is causing a lot of other voices to be a lot louder, including the enemy, including just culture including things that will lead you away from, even further away from the presence of God. I see a lot of people running through life without a shepherd. And I believe that many people haven't heard the voice of God yet. And that's why we exist. But I also know that there's a lot of people that have heard the voice of God at one point or another in their life. But doubt has drowned it out. Doubt has caused them to forget what his voice sounds like. Now, I, I do know that a lot of people, they just get confused about what God is saying. It's not that they can't hear his voice. It's just they're confused about what he's saying. Well, even the disciples had that with Jesus. There were times when Jesus would say some stuff and the disciples were like, what? I don't understand what you're saying. That happens with my kids. It probably happens to your kids too. It doesn't matter how many times you've told them something, you, you will tell them something and they will still stare at you like a cow staring at a new gate. Like <laughs> They don't understand it or they're just choosing not to understand it. It's like, uh, I do, but I'm just gonna choose to pretend like I don't. There are times when there will be confusion, but there is one thing my kids do not doubt. They do not doubt the voice of their father. They know what it sounds like. They know what the voice of their father sounds like. And their mama. How many of y'all know? Sometimes it doesn't matter what the mama's saying, it's just how she says it. They know exactly what she's saying. There's times Cody's spoken to me and she wrote a book in one sentence. We can struggle with understanding what God is saying, but we never need to doubt his voice, his words, 
Maybe at one point or another you thought you heard from God, but something didn't work out. So now you doubt God's voice and your ability to hear it. Well, I've been there. I have been there. Wait and be patient. God wants to speak. He wants to give you an answer. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. Don't let doubt keep you from hearing his voice and trusting him. He's always speaking to you. Also, doubt diminishes the promises of God. Doubt diminishes the promises of God. Another word I, I, I might substitute this for is it dilutes. It dilutes. There's nothing worse than getting a drink of something and expecting it to taste a certain way and then it's watered down. All you sweet tea lovers, you are critical about this. Like if you, if you go, you ask for sweet tea. If you came to Colorado, you would be disappointed all the time because they don't have sweet tea in Colorado. So even if they brought you sweet tea, it wouldn't be sweet tea to you because it does not have a pound of sugar per cup. <laughs> or if you guys came in here in the morning and our coffee was like, we put like two coffee beans in each pot. So it's just like a, a hint of coffee, mostly hot water. Y'all be angry at us. Like we would see demons manifesting in people if they didn't get their coffee in the morning. Because you don't wanna have something watered down. But the truth is this, whether it's watered down Coke, watered down sweet tea, watered down coffee, whatever it is, it's not that the tea, the coffee, and the Coke is not in there. It's still there. It's just a lot of other stuff's been added to it to the point where it's hard to recognize it. The promises of God are always the promises of God, no matter what we dilute them down with. No matter how we try to diminish them, they're still, but here's the thing. It does affect our ability to experience the full benefit of the promise when we have diluted them down with doubt. We'll miss out on some of it. It's kind of like, it's like marriage. Like Cody and I, we, when we got married, August 24, 2002, outside at a bed and breakfast in Montana, seven o'clock, weather was beautiful. And that was the day that she married the man of her dreams. Y'all know, know I married up, way, way up. But we made some promises to each other that day. Some serious promises. But, but what if I woke up every day and in spite of how faithful she has been, in, in spite of, of how loving she's been, in, in spite of all the ways that she has kept those promises, if I woke up every day questioning her, doubting her promise, Here's the thing, she still made the promises, but I am not going to get to experience the fullness of what it's like to walk in covenant marriage, believing in those promises, if I'm living in a place of doubt. And the same thing is, is true with our covenant with God. Doubt will dilute and water down his promises to the point that we forget the power of them. And we won't get to experience the power of his promises. I think that there's a lot of believers, including myself, that find themselves in this place where we have promise after promise after promise. And these promises are as true as the sun rising in the east. 
but we have allowed doubt to dilute down his promises to where we don't get to experience him. So what do we do? We let him break them off of us. We let him break doubt off of us. Verse 29 says this, but they urged him strongly. I'll go to this translation. Stay the night with us since it's getting late. So we went home with them and as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. <laughs> All right. But I want you to see the revelation of what's happening in this. Because the last time that Jesus broke bread with them was the night of his betrayal. It was the Last Supper. The last time he broke bread, it was signifying the sacrifice that he was getting ready to make. Now this bread symbolizes something different. It symbolizes them. It symbolizes his desire to break things off him. It's a reminder. Don't forget what I told you. I told you that because my body would be broken, you can be whole and you don't have to doubt. And as soon as he went to that, they had the revelation and remembered what he had done. Are we willing to place our lives in his hands? Are we willing to allow him to break things off of us? Are we willing to trust him even when it hurts, even when it's painful? Because in that moment, he broke doubt off of his disciples. And even though they were afraid and hurt and angry, and if you'll let him, he'll break it off of you too. And when you do, this is what happened in their lives. First of all, you'll see him again. It says in verse 30, then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. So first of all, you'll see him. You'll see him again. You'll see him working in your life. We'll see everything in creation, in our families, even in the storms, we'll be able to see God working once he removes our doubt. We'll also be able to hear him again. We'll also be able to hear him again. Verse 32, and they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? The noise of doubt will vanish. All the voices and the craziness that brought the doubt, it'll all go away. And it won't be this like meek, shallow conversation. God wants to reveal himself and speak to you and speak to the depths of your heart and give you a revelation of what you mean to him, how much he loves you, how much he values you. Here's the thing, I don't always have the feeling of this. You won't always have the feeling of this. This is a faith walk. But once he removes the doubt, I do believe that as he speaks to you, you will grow in a confidence of what his voice sounds like and know what he's leading you and directing you to do. We'll also have confidence again. Verse 33, and within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen 
he appeared to Peter. <clears throat> These men were in danger, and so many of them were fleeing Jerusalem. They're getting out of there. But they were returning now from where they originally fled. Why? Because they had unfinished business there. There were some things that God had asked them to do. God didn't call them away from Jerusalem yet. Their doubt had led them away from his calling. I think doubt may have driven a lot of you away from God's calling too. I think some of you have walked away from the things that he spoke to you, a dream that he gave you, a purpose that he gave you, a job that he gave you for his kingdom, and you have let doubt cause you to walk away from it. And I believe that when God removes that doubt from you, you're going to return back to your purpose. You'll come back into your calling. You'll experience again what it is like to not just live your life and do your thing, but what it feels like to build his kingdom and to do his will. There's nothing like that. I do believe that God wants to break some doubt off of you today. I don't know what all has caused the doubt. I know that one of the biggest things that causes doubt is sin. Sin causes doubt more than anything else. But you have to remember that if you have accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you will return to him, he's there. He's ready. He's willing. He wants to forgive. If you will walk out repentance before him, There's no wall he won't kick down, lie he won't tear down to come after you. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I mentioned earlier that I, I know that there are some people that have never heard the voice of God. I think that there can be believers that are in that place, but also know that and sometimes the reason why you've never heard his voice is you just don't have a relationship with him. You're away from him. You're away from him. And I want to give you an opportunity to meet your Savior, to meet your Heavenly Father, to have a relationship with him, to be able to hear his voice. Just like in any relationship, it, it can take time to understand someone, to understand what their voice sounds like, to hear it clearly. And some of you, you've been in that place before, but you've drifted away from him. And right now you've let doubt creep in. You've let situation and circumstance creep in to the point where you're not sure where he's at, if he still loves you. And maybe you just need to rededicate your life to him. You need to come back to him. Now, before I give you an opportunity to respond to this invitation, I want to let you know that I'm not going to point you out. And I'm not going to embarrass you. But I will say this. I think it's important that you're bold. I think it's important that at one point or another, you go public with this, this decision that, that you're gonna let people know you've made the decision to give your life to God. I also wanna let you know that if you have made this decision before, 
you can trust in God's faithfulness. Because I know that there are some of you that every single week, even though you are saved, you've given your life to God, every single week, you let the enemy bring doubt into your heart to the point where you feel like you've got to get saved again and again and again. And I would encourage you, you don't have to walk in that doubt. You can trust and believe and have faith that he saved you. But if you're here today and you need a relationship with Jesus or you need to rededicate your life to him, if that's you, would you please put your hand up right now in this room? And I wanna pray with you. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, guys. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Got it. Thanks, bro. Appreciate you guys being bold with that. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. I need a relationship with Jesus. Thank you, guys. Got it. Anybody else? I'm away from God. I need to rededicate my life to him. I've just never surrendered my life to him. Anybody else in this room? Okay. For all of you guys that raise your hand, I just want you to talk to God right there in your chair. Like I said, I think you need to go public with this. Water baptism is a great way to do that. But tell somebody, tell somebody, declare to them, hey, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower. I gave my life to Jesus. But right there in your chair, just talk to him and say, God, here's my life. And I know that I've sinned. And I know that I can't save myself. But I believe, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And right now, I surrender my life to you as my Lord, as my Savior. I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to live for the world. I want to live according to your plan and your purpose for my life. So help me, God, to understand your love and help me to grow confident in it. Help me to grow confident in who I am as your son or as your daughter. Help me to understand your word. Lead me by your spirit. Convict me when I get off track. God, help me to be connected to the body of Christ, to other people who believe what I believe. God, I thank you for every person that just said that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time. God, I thank you that you're gonna help us as a church to come alongside of them and love them, disciple them, encourage them. God, let us be a people who do not wear doubt that when it tries to creep in, we would go to your, your voice, we would go to your word, we would go to your promises, and we would declare those things that we would remember and in faith believe the price and the sacrifice that you paid so that we can be confident in you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's give God a hand for those people.